This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies ed tech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and it helps you assess student performance through actionable real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of different tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com forward slash B-E. That's IXL.com forward slash B-E. All right, welcome back to another episode of Tell Me This. I am your host, Carrie Warkowski, and I am feeling grateful this morning. It, it is Friday. I will say that I got off a plane on Wednesday at one in the morning and had to drive an hour. So we didn't get home with three kids until two in the morning. So I'm feeling a little of that still. And yet I'm super grateful to be here because our audience can't see, but I am looking at the faces of three lovely women who I love working with, have had on the pod, have co-hosted with the pod. And so Brianne, Carrie Miller, Dr. Carrie Miller, I should say, Dr. Brianne Roos, and soon to be Dr. Daniel Scarano. Um, I'm so happy to have all of you in the same space, even if it's virtual, back together. So thank you for being here this morning. We're so excited. <laughs> I mean, this is the dream team to be on Zoom with. So yeah, absolutely. It's on. Absolutely. Yeah, I- I have been looking forward to this and candidly, I was so excited. The time zone is a little bit earlier where I yes, am, but it is. I, I was kind of up way before I needed to be because I was looking forward to this. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. And I was stuck in crazy traffic on my way here, texting Carrie saying, I don't know if it's going to work. Yeah. And then my next text was going to be just do it without me. And then the other one in my head was like, but I really want to be part of it. So yeah. anyway, glad it all worked out. We're all here. Yeah. And I feel like it's pretty um, apropos, I guess, during this pandemic that we're all describing these sort of where we are in the world and how we're feeling. And, you know, the I do not say and I know all three of you know this. I do not say that the pandemic has a silver lining lining. I think the pandemic for me has had lots of lessons and takeaways. And one of those is sometimes you just need to show up. And that's what we're doing. We're showing up. We are not sure how our discussion is going to go, but I'm certain it will be a good one, even though I don't know necessarily where we're going. And so um, audience, just as a reminder, we are starting our book club series uh, this week, and I'm super excited. Um, and it's, again, perfect that we're starting with a book entitled Dancing with Discomfort, because I'm feeling a lot of that this morning for all sorts of reasons, one of which is... I've not ever been a part of a book club where I've actually been the author of the book. (laughs) So I'm just going to own that space um, and come to you all honestly that I'm feeling weird about being a part of a book club that's my book. But um, at the same time, I'm so, so excited to hear 
um, what all of you think about the book and, and sort of what your journey was with the book. And I want to also share with the three of you, because we, we literally have not all been in the same space in forever. And I wanted to, I wanted, yeah, I wanted to share um, something I'm celebrating, which is I received an email this week from an alum of the program, which I'm a part of, and she has been using the book with a few of her employees at work as they manage uh, a work transition. And she Mm -hmm. has reported that it's just been really um, helpful and fruitful and given them things to really like point to and talk about versus just going through a transition. So um, I was just delighted to hear that, like it's out there in the universe and and being picked up by people. So um, I don't know, ladies, where do you want to start? I mean, I have questions that I want to ask you, but where do you want to start? Well, first of all, I would say that it's, I've never been in a book club either where the author is sitting here. So (laughs) what an opportunity for all of us to engage with you and to ask Mm -hmm. all these questions. And second, Carrie, how timely this book, like what the timing of this book was perfect. I mean, to think about transitions and the pandemic every day, I think is a transition every month, every it's the season, right? I think sometimes Mm. we joke around that's like season three or season 17 of the pandemic (laughs) seasons are transitions. So to have this as a guide to navigate throughout the the pandemic has been such a joy, such a learning opportunity. So Mm. first of all, thank you for writing this and to help us as we are navigating life. I don't know (laughs) if this is real world. I don't know, but I want to just start with that with a moment of gratitude. Hmm. Yeah, I can second that. I think that one of the best parts about this book is that it's, it's relatable to every day. And what I sort of relearned as I was rereading it was that we transition all the time and it doesn't Mm -hmm. have to be these sort of major predictable transitions. So there's that. But also I just wanted to talk about the way that the book is written, which is this really approachable easily read, but not easy content, if that makes sense. Um, Mm. And you have such a comfortable way and style of writing that I think anybody could really enjoy it. And you're, you include literature, but it's like not in a way that's overwhelming or too scholarly and it's really accessible, which I appreciate. And your examples and stories throughout the book are fantastic Mm -hmm. and they just bring them home. And to me, it humanizes you as the author. Like I feel like your reader really gets to know you and your voice through this book. And then of course you also extended it. So beyond your stories and beyond the literature, you have these really wonderful illustrations and diagrams and kind of challenge questions and you know um, tasks for the reader to engage in throughout. So I think you've thought of a lot and it feels like a conversation that, that I'm having with you as I read the book. And I really appreciate that. Mm, love that. Thank you, Brian. And we should also say props to Brianne for writing a chapter and also Kristen Barber and Paula Clark for contributing. So it wasn't, wasn't just me uh, working on this. So for sure. Way, way to set the bar. First podcast with authors, <laughs> not just one, but two. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> yeah, we try, you know, we try. I'd love to say yes and to what Danielle and Brianne have already shared. Mm. One of the, one of the really many, there are many compelling elements of the book as I was going through and experiencing it and appreciating for my first time, not only the process of 
leading up to participating in a podcast with the authors, but also for the first time really diving into a book of an author who I know Mm -hmm. um, and know fairly well. Mm -hmm. Um, Carrie Borkowski was my advisor through my doctoral program. So for better or worse, we knew each other very well. (laughs) For better, Um, come on. (laughs) Well, you know, those moments when you're iterating and drafting in a 172-page product. Um, but but a, a really compelling takeaway for me uh, that I'd love to flag is is it's like the grain size of the transitions, these notions of transitions. So Brianne, you mentioned that transitions happen every day. This pandemic, you know, beginning May, March 2022, 2020, I'm like, I'm looking to May 2022, which is when I'm graduating. Yeah. But the, 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 the um, grain size of, we could think of the, the transition as something that we have been living for two years now. Mm-hmm. It's something that we can think about that we live in each moment with each micro decision that we're making as we determine what we're doing, but also how we want to show up in mm-hmm. what we're doing. Um, and, and, and your book really got me thinking about that, sort of the, the intentionality, um, but also the weight and size of each transition that we live. Yeah, absolutely. Go ahead, Danielle. I see I you that. jumping in. Well, it's well, the I think what Carrie and Brianne had talked about in terms of navigating transitions every day, I hear that, I see that too. And the one, the first thing that came up for me actually, Carrie B, is I love when we're on podcast, by the way, with the two Carries, because I always <laughs> refer to Carrie B and Carrie M. Um, I loved in the first chapter when you brought us through the what, the where, the how, the when mm. of transitions. And the first item or, you know, I guess idea that I flagged was when you talked about the difference between change and transition, Mm. because when I've, you know, growing up and throughout my doctorate studies, I've always labeled, you know, change. This is change. Right. Mm -hmm. And from going into lockdown in the beginning of the pandemic, um, throughout the pandemic. And this was the first time where I had to take a step back and say, huh, this is actually a transition. So I'm wondering for you, Carrie B and Carrie M and Brianne, if you could weigh in, just help us to continue to flesh that out. Because I think sometimes we're so quick to label it as change. And so, and I know you talk about on page 28, that transitions involve this longer, more internal process. Mm-hmm. But I'd like to focus a little bit on that more to see, you know, just how that does continue to actualize in everyday life. Yeah. I mean, I would love for Carrie M and Rianne to weigh in if they have thoughts before I, I jump in. It, distinguishing between those, I think about the criteria that you broke down for us on page, it's like 60 and 61, Carrie. Mm-hmm. Um, but this idea that we all experience transitions and, and then you add to that the bulleted list that they contribute to individual identity development. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that, that criteria really stands out as a distinction for me to, the, to that question that you pose, Danielle. It's like, it, it, it's like I, I'm going to go through changes. That's inevitable. We can identify the milestones that we all anticipate that we experience as humans at one point or another. Mm-hmm. But this idea of the transition hopefully leaving me better than I was when I started the process is something I really value in the definition, how we operationalize it. Yeah. And to get to that better place, another bullet on page 60 is that the transition will elicit discomfort, uncertainty, and confusion. You're like, oh, shoot. 
you know, so you sort of have to recognize it and you know that it's going to be hard and, and uncomfortable. And I think that's the part, Carrie, that you do such a really nice job of pulling apart for us in this book. And it's the part that we would maybe prefer not to experience. Yeah. I also think it's the part that's not really acknowledged and celebrated because we've talked in past podcasts about, you know, hard work sometimes, like if you have to work for something, it feels less valuable. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're really being clear about the fact that this is what a transition is and it does take work and it is hard and that's part of the process. Yeah. And so I appreciate that that was named so explicitly. Mm. Yeah. I love that you all are picking up on that. I mean, cause I thought as you know, as I wrote the book, well, first I'm so happy that it came across as a conversation because I think as someone who has been trained to write in a, whatever the a scholarly way, whatever that means to whoever's listening, um, it was very important to me that it wasn't that, that it was a conversation. And so I'm glad, I'm glad to hear that. Um, as part of my scholarly voice, right. I had, I'm sort of of multiple minds here as I was writing was I need to define terms, right? Like it always comes back to terms and, and we've talked, um, on this podcast in multiple ways about the importance and power of language, right? So getting on the same page around these things was really important. And so I think, speaking about change and transi- and transitions in the ways you have articulated was just, it just made sense to start there. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and it, honestly, um, I know Brianne and Danielle, you've read it. I'm not sure Carrie, if you've read it, but the, it also reminded me of the Nagowski sisters and their notion of stress and stressors. Right. Because this idea that in my mind, change happens. I mean, it happens all the time, as Carrie, you said so nicely in microwaves and in large ways. And what I am trying to pick up on and what I see in students and my own kids and in myself is we we hit a change, whatever that is. And we just think the cycle's complete. Okay, I should be there. Right. So I've had students say, well, I'm in a doc. I'm in a doctoral program. I should be doctoral esque right now. I should be scholarly now. I should know what my scholarly voice is. And what I am trying to say in this book, that that moment of change that marked whatever it is, that is just barely the beginning. And not only is it just barely the beginning, but you have an opportunity right here. And we know from learning theory, Mesero, et cetera. If you capitalize on that moment, if you don't do what you want to do, which is Brianne alluded to run away duck and cover, cover your ears, close your eyes, right? To avoid, there's this world that opens up and it's all about that process. And for me, that world opening up and naming and noticing, right? Noticing and naming is where the transition is. And, and it sounds cheesy, but to me, it's where the magic happens. Um, and there's all that learn, all that good, messy learning that happens. And so, yeah, I read, I can't remember. It's terrible but I didn't prep for comps today. Sorry, ladies. Um, There was an author as I was digging into the transition literature, um, something that really spoke to me was someone described it as, you know, if you make a geographical move, it's a really easy one. Your body is physically in another place, but your heart, your mind, your familiarity is in that other place. Right. So so like even that sort of physical and mental transition, you may not be in the same place yet because it takes time. Um, And that's why for me, the Karate Kid in the beginning of the book was such a (laughs) first of all, I love the Karate Kid movies and the kids that we had the kids watch them all um, during the pandemic this past holiday. Um, But that just made sense to me. Right. Like he moves right all the way across country 
And it's a struggle. It's not an instant. Okay. I fit in. I'm, I'm here. I belong. I have my people, but yeah. So I'm glad you picked up on that. So Carrie, something happened to me when I was reading that part of the book. Do you ever read a book and you're suddenly taken to a part of your life that you haven't thought about in a really long time? Mm. I mean, I was certainly not processing this part, so I can just briefly share this example. Yeah. Um, in college, I was a rower and I had never rowed. I did not row in high school. So you join um, the novice team. So you learn to row basically freshman year. And then after that, you transition to varsity. And my novice year, it was so much fun. And we had this coach who just wanted nothing more than for us to love to row and to enjoy the mornings and watch the sunrise and get close as a team and all this. And it wasn't taken all that seriously from an athletic standpoint, because his purpose really was to instill this love of the sport, which he successfully did. And then we transitioned to varsity. Well, I should say we became varsity women, right? That mm -hmm. was the, the term. And we actually called ourselves the former novice women instead of the varsity women, because we had moved up but really had no interest in the seriousness and kind of the intensity of what was to be that varsity level sport. And it took a while to actually transition. So we had the title, we had swag, we had all the stuff, but we really weren't there mm. in terms of everything that it took to be, you know, a division one varsity athlete that took probably six to eight months. Like it took that, that year. And then we transitioned. And when that happened, the boat moved faster. Like there was this change in our attitude and in our approach and then ultimately in our performance. And I never thought about it until I read this book. Like I really hadn't thought about what it meant to have that change versus the transition. And I loved that. And I just so appreciated sort of being able to unpack that in a really unexpected way. I hadn't thought about that, you know, in a long time. So thank you for that. I love that. The former novice. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like Prince, right? Previous, previously yeah. known. Yeah. Formerly known as. Formerly yeah. known. As. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. I like that example too, because you're talking about one of the, the notes I took from, as I was reading the book was just to be in the mess that, mm -hmm. and, and, and Carrie, you had posed this question in one of our documents. What is dancing with discomfort really mean to you? And as I was journaling and as I was taking notes, transitions are always a dance. And so it's how you, know, how you approach that dance, right? You, and if you think about like your middle school self, like being out in the oh. dance, like how awkward that was, right? So you can choose <laughs> to be that middle school awkward kid. That's like, eh, everyone's looking at me. Am I moving my shoulders the right way? Or you can just be, you know, I don't know if you're like this, but at weddings, like if I'm out there on the dance floor, right, you're just noticing your name and you're messing up, like you're having the best time of your life. And it's how you choose to, to own that transition, right? Are you going to go in there in a way that, and Brianne, like continue to be that novice, or are you just going to own it and say, Hey, like I'm on the varsity team or I'm going to take this with full joy because this is what it means to kind of level up and to grow. And so that's kind of where I took that. And the other piece, I think when, as I was reading this is Brianne, you made a good, you had a, an excellent example of a transition where you completed this phase and you, su you succeeded and you leveled up to varsity. The other piece I think that's interesting is you could have a transition where you need to pivot because you failed. And I was thinking mm -hmm. of two examples that came for me right now. I had experienced, um, I'm coming out of an experience where I was forced to overcome a really significant physical health challenge. And so I would consider that as a success in terms of overcoming a feat. And 
then I was reminded of other times where I've had to pivot. I failed and, and things like that. And two pieces came up for me was, well, you know, I was thinking about what was that mindset for myself of getting on the dance floor and experiencing the joy and the mess and two big pieces of thought, two big thoughts came for me that would inhibit me from experiencing that joy. Um, those hurdles is, um, telling myself I wasn't good enough and also telling myself, who do you think you are? Mm -hmm. And so when I experienced transition, having failed or having to pivot, I'd often come for that shame of not feeling good enough. Whereas now when I'm in the transition and perhaps brand, maybe you had, um, related to this when you entered varsity was, okay, I've overcome this physical feat or I've overcome this challenge. Who do you think you are to now transition into that next level? And so those were two big aha moments for me where I said to myself, okay, those are the hurdles that I'm experiencing from experiencing, from truly enjoying the transition and, and engaging my learning mindset and, you know, getting into that next phase. So I don't know where to take that, but I, when you ran, when you mentioned that example, I think those were two pieces that resonated with me in terms of any transition that we experience in life. I'd love to take it to the concept of leadership, which is a theme that we've discussed in on this podcast a couple of times for the for the um, longtime listeners. <laughs> Hopefully, that <laughs> the reference. Yeah, um, it, it's it's interesting because I, I t- admitting a moment of vulnerability. I am in what I feel like is a massive period of transition. Personally, I have achieved the milestone of successfully defending my dissertation. Hooray. Um, My dissertation will be submitted to the library by the deadline of April 8th, fully revised. (laughs) Um, And and I, um, it's almost, it, it reminds me a little bit of how I felt when I got into college, actually, because I, it's like, I did it. Here I am. I've made it. I, I, I have done this thing that at so many points for so many years, I questioned whether I had the capacity to do. And it was because of people on this call that I believe I was able to continue to persevere. And yet here I am. And so why, why, why do I not feel something like completeness or why do I not feel uh, uh, gratification. Instead, I feel uncertain, candidly, because I think that, and, and Carrie, this goes back to what um, conversations it sounds like you you might have with your with your students at times um, about this doubt. But you you have expectations that you set for yourself, and then you achieve those milestones, and yet things are still feeling pretty normal. Mm, <laughs> you know? Yes, so it's 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 another day and another process, and yet. I have an expectation of myself now as a leader who has a leadership role in a firm where somehow something fundamentally has shifted. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when I go back to the, the framework that Brianna and I both referenced, there, there is, I, I am, I think, living that tension between um, needing to name and say and experience that I am in a period of transition because I am still in that process of defining what this means now and mm-hmm. where this take me next but I I don't know yet and yet ostensibly I just finished the thing of all the things that I could do in my life that um really assigns that really assigns a whole lot of knowledge and capacity that I possess and it's 
it's odd. It's, yeah. it's, it's odd. And, and I'm, I'm very appreciative <clears throat> of this conversation because it's helping me speak and, and, and name it. Yeah. Um, but, but it's, it's, it's an interesting experience. It, it feels like the, the thing that I'll bring back to the book with that example is it feels very comfortable to speak about shifts and transitions in our formative experiences when we are at the middle school dance, when we are in college, when mm-hmm. we are at moments where discovery <clears throat> and self-identity and self-realization is permitted and almost expected. Yeah. And yet it's not a stigmatized, but we don't yet have the space as actualized professionals necessarily. It really depends on who we work with, but we don't have the space necessarily to be able to name that and experience that as much as I think we could. Yeah. And I, we didn't plan this Carrie, but that's such a really good um, segue into something I was thinking about as the three of you were talking about, which is coaching. Um, Cause I have found in coaching with different individuals that the struggle you just articulated, Carrie, is the struggle that shows up in coaching sessions a lot. I just got this. Now I should be this. I just completed this. I just earned this. I just checked the box on this. Now what? Right. And then what's interesting to me, and I just had a coaching session last evening, is the person is looking forward at professional development and thinking, well, for me to get to that next thing, we've talked about like, well, what do you, what skills do you think you're missing? And, and the, the potential response to filling those skills was getting another thing. Mm-hmm. Right. And I said, well, let's, let's take a time out, right. Let's take a time out. And so all of this is to say that um, what I've in, in writing the book and talking to folks like yourselves, what I've really realized, and maybe this is going to get to, um, esoteric for a second, but in a lot of ways, our the systems we have in place do us a disservice. Graduating from high school, check. Graduating from college, if you do that, check. Or graduating from whatever it is you're, you know, into your professional career, check. We do a lot of, you know, traditional complete milestones, and we think we're ready. Well, what does that even mean, <laughs> right? And so I think you're right, Carrie Miller, that really at the end of the day, if I, if I hoped anybody took anything away from the book, it's that they have a a new skill, which is they're paying more attention to how they're feeling in any moment, whether to Danielle's example, it's unexpected, whether in other examples, it's expected. They're equally, they're similar. They're so similar. If you're paying attention to the process it's all, it's identical in the sense that it's going to show up. You're going to, you're going to feel certain ways. You're going to feel discomfort. You're going to feel like that middle schooler who can't decide if they should go on the girl side of the gym or the boy side of the gym or go get another cup of punch. Right. Like, cause they don't want to go out on the dance floor. Mm-hmm. Um, expected and unexpected transitions are equally uncomfortable for different reasons. And if we do nothing else, but pause and say, what is this that's here with me and what do I want to call it? I feel like that I will be happy with what I've done with the book if, if people start doing that. Because I, I mean, I do it more. I don't know about you, ladies, but like I do it so much more in my own life. I'm like, oh, there's that thing I'm feeling. OK, let's let's deal with that. Because um, I agree, Carrie, I'm, I'm also going through some or experiencing in a really lovely way some professional um, transitions, all sorts, you know, all sorts of things. And 
having written the book during the pandemic and and getting my a coach myself, it's been great to have some language around this is what I'm feeling. So um, yeah, I, I, and really quickly, uh, and how how helpful a reminder which I took from the book as well that these moments ostensibly feel uncomfortable. You, you, they have to, like discomfort ha- has to be a part of the process. Yeah. And yet we always can influence or control the lived experience that we want to have. I, I yeah. can't, I can't, I can't control that suddenly I have this feeling which yeah. surprises me, but I can influence or, or control what, what I do with it yeah. um, and, and where I go with it next. Yeah. Yeah. To me, that just is such a natural segue to the grace, gratitude, and greatness mm-hmm. idea. Um, and oh my gosh, I read it and I'm like, those are really great words, Carrie. And <laughs> who who is able to actually do that? I really, really try to think about it in these moments, um, particularly with grace, talking about self-talk. And I think Danielle, you had said before, kind of telling yourself you're not good enough, that sort of thing. It's so easy to get into that. And Carrie, I mean, I completely agree with the transition out of doctoral studies, kind of what's next. It feels like there should be this monumental shift or something. And there wasn't, (laughs) um, (laughs) still here, uh, which I guess is fine, but, um, brings me to the next one, which is gratitude. Right. And like, I really liked how Carrie talks about gratitude and that we have to be truthful and authentic. So it's not just a list of things I'm grateful for today, but it's really like, what brought you that joy in this moment of transition? Can we reflect on the things that are um, that are gifts in, in the process that we went through or, um, and I was Carrie, I can't remember if you had mentioned this, but I was on the Peloton recently and the instructor said, not everyone gets to do this. Mm. And I feel like you might've said that in a podcast as well. And it just stopped me short. And it's so true because not everyone gets to do most of these things, you know, especially now, I don't know how you all are feeling, but you know, watching the news about the Ukraine in the morning with my kids, like literally crying, doing the dishes. And then my 15 year old is running around in a tizzy trying to get things ready. I'm like, I don't know how to do all of these things. I don't know how to be like really grateful for the fact that your problem is you can't find the ribbon you need. And (laughs) yeah, this little boy, I mean, it's just, I think the gratitude piece is, is a way out of that uh, spiral for me Mm -hmm. to just sort of level set things. Um, And so I really appreciate that. So trying to have grace, practicing gratitude, and then trusting that that will lead to, to greatness. I really liked those three G's. Yeah, that was that, that, um, I mean, I think the grace and gratitude, the gratitude is, it feels easier for me. Cause like gratitude is expressing for me, it's being thankful for others. So it's not an, in, it's not necessarily an internal thing. So grace, and I can also give a lot of grace to other people, but as you said, like, it's hard to give it to ourselves. Right. So that's been a practice for me. The greatness piece, when I was writing, I remember talking to my editor about it. The greatness piece was the hardest part of it, especially in the midst of the pandemic, because I never wanted it to feel like, and I know um, folks have heard this before because we've talked about her and she was on Brene Brown's podcast. Um, I didn't want it to feel like toxic positivity. Mm-hmm. Like it's not being positive in the midst of a horrible moment. Like, you know, you just mentioned Brianne Ukraine, like that's not it. That's not, that's, that feels silly and inauthentic and just not true, right? That's a fault. That's a falsehood. That's not what this greatness is. Um, and I'm, I'm 
you know, I don't I don't want to put a damper on on the topic of the of the conversation, but it was really important to me in the book to share, you know, the really hard experience of losing a child because I felt like that was my experience with that moment was being able to dig deep. And even in the midst of all that grief that lasted, I mean, for Susan and I, that I mean, it's still I still have it, but it lasted for a pretty long time. I found I did find greatness and I did find gratitude and I found a connection with a woman that I love, who I love in a really different way that, you know, we had we were required to show up for each other in different ways. I mean, we had never been called upon to do that. And so what I was trying to put in the book and especially during the pandemic is there are still things that are good that are going on in the midst of all as bad as it is, you know, you, you can find some goodness. And even if it's just being connected to someone while you're going through a really hard, that is, that is good that you get to have that connection. Um, and so I really wanted it to be clear and I'm, and I'm hoping it's coming through that it wasn't about being just optimistic for the sake of optimism. That's not what this greatness is about. So um, yeah. So Brian, I appreciate you bringing those up. Yeah. And I think you do a very good job with that. I don't think it's at all just <clears throat> like, you know, the Pollyanna perspective at all. I, I think it, it's very real. And once again, your examples just bring it to light. I mean, I think you just help us and challenge us a little bit to reframe mm-hmm. and to say, you know, like Carrie said earlier, the yes and. Yeah. yeah. Which is exactly where I wanted to come in with this because <laughs> <All right. laughs> we <Yay>! know. <laughs> Carrie and I have been fans and enthusiasts and students of paradoxical thinking. Yes. And Carrie, um, you said yes, and and then Brianne, as you were talking, paradox was leaning, you know, coming out of my pores. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and it's true. I don't know where it just is everywhere. Um, but you know, I think Brianne, when you talked about everything that's ha- the the conflict, the the complete heartbreak and sorrow that's happening in Ukraine to, you know, I think last week I just went down a spiral because, you know, I don't want to get down too political, but to see what's happening in Texas and Florida, you know, in things happening in my own city of New York, um, I, I got lost in the sorrow and the grief and I'm reading a book right now, um, uh, uh, other than dancing with discomfort, um, Kate Bowler, she's a Christian writer and one of the pieces she came up one of the um, chapters I was reading yesterday was experiencing both joy and grief and to not let yourself forget that joy that you do um, experience. And then, so that's obviously a paradox. Greatness is having that paradox too, having that high expectations and recognizing your greatness and also grace in yourself when you do misstep or where you do have that hurdle and even transitions I think Carrie, you said in multiple times in the book that transitions are paradoxical, that ability to hold those multiple narratives that, you know, even coming back from finishing your doctorate studies or having something that you've just ex- succeeded in. Yes, I succeeded. And now what, what can I do to level up or, and then also bringing in that gratitude too that, okay, celebrating that you just had that accomplishment and now what more work can you do? So I think that paradoxes do come up in every single part of this book. And I don't know if that's something that you want to flesh out even more. I mean, um, Carrie B, especially because as you were writing this, I'm sure that was on the top of your mind in yeah. every instance. 
Yeah, it, I mean, absolutely. Because I think even going back to what Carrie Miller was talking about earlier um, with respect to finishing your degree and then sort of, you know, it's like you finish this degree and now you have more questions, mm-hmm. right? Like that's <laughs> that's the paradox. And in a joking sort of way, I would say then we did our job, right? If you if you graduate with a doctorate and still have lots of questions, well, that's the kind of student I want to graduate is someone who has inquiry. I think the the interesting thing about the, the struggle with the paradox um, or the multiple narratives, Danielle, is that it goes back to sort of the 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 self-talk and the comparisons, right? This saboteur of comparison, because I think what we often do is in those moments, whether it's the change, whether it's the transition and the the tangible what's happening, the emotional what's happening or the behavior what's happening, we're always asking ourselves, well, what should I be doing? What should I be feeling? And what I'm saying is stop that. Like there is no should like all the Mm -hmm. systems that are in place to tell you that it's a should and this is the traditional way and this is the right way. (laughs) That's my response. Like, I'm so tired of that. Right. Like you are who you are. You do what you do. You feel what you feel and just be in that. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, be the middle schooler. I wish I had been the middle schooler who would go to the middle of the the gym (laughs) and dance their rear ends off. Right. It's like I think Mark Twain said, dance like no one's watching. Right. Sing like no one's listening like that. And I think I know I would love to say that I was super intentional. But like when the title after lots of iterations, as you can imagine, when the title finally came to dancing with discomfort. It made so much sense because it is, it's a with, it's not a through, right? It's not through, it's not, it's with, you have to embrace it. Um, And so, yeah, we have to stop with the shoulds. We just need to remove that and just be in it and, and be in your transition. So, yeah, I, and I think if we could do that, Danielle, back to your, your paradox and multiple narratives, I think if we could just be in that, we could better uh, strategize about and manage and use those multiple narratives. It wouldn't feel so bad. And I think Carrie Miller, you mentioned leadership. That's also true of leaders. Like leaders spend so much time. Well, what, what does upper management want me to do? What do they think I should be doing? And just lead authentically with your own grace, gratitude, and greatness. But was Dr. Seuss's line, all the woulda, coulda, shouldas all ran away and hid from one small dead. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> um, I, I'd love, I'd love to bookend that point, Carrie, that you just made. I'm so happy that I happened to find it because I hadn't written it down, but this idea of appreciative inquiry that you mm. just um, and, and it says, you know, appreciative inquiry, like critical reflection depends on presence and intentionality. And so one, one small solution to that dilemma is the idea that we, 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 we have so many qualities and characteristics in our work professionally that we look to like being critically reflective problem solvers. And we need to have appreciative inquiry as well. We need to name and know that these transitions happen all the time in our capacity to navigate them, whether we're two years in or 22 years into our, our work um, should be a part of the process. Yeah. 
Absolutely. And tapping into, I mean, Brian, just to use your example from transitioning in the rowing team. I mean, if, if someone or myself included had taken the time to get to know you as you transitioned into doctoral work, that would have been a perfect place to say, well, you just talked to me about that time that you went from this kind of team in rowing to varsity. And what did that feel like? Now you're transitioning to doctoral work. What could you tap into from that experience that'll help you navigate the doctoral journey, right? So that appreciative inquiry really is saying, you've already been through transitions. This is just a new, this is just a new label. It's a different experience, but you've got a lot of skills already that we need to tap into. So, um, but that takes time, right? That takes time and space and good questions to ask each other. Um, so yeah, the appreciative inquiry is, is super important there. And again, another paradox in understanding that you've been through transitions, right? Brene Brown says experience breeds perspective and mm. always approaching things as a new learner. And yeah. Carrie V, you are, whenever I think of learner's mindset, I think of you. Mm. Um, we talked with a number of leaders in the fall about navigating paradoxes in, in terms of leadership and learner's mindset always came to the core. And I think that's so true to this book. I mean, the number of times I, I circled learner's mindset in this book was so many and I loved it. And that's because it, because it reminded me, okay, to take a step back and say, every new part of the transition that I come into is going to be one that's going to be a first time. Yeah. And um, when Brianne and Carrie M, you were talking about the page 60 to 61 with those four pieces, you know, I, I wrote down too, which was something that was interesting is if we're constantly going to identify as a learner, then it's, then transitions are going to be embedded. It's just in how we show up. Um, and so, um, I like that piece too, and always grounding ourselves in learner's mindset. Yeah, it's, it is funny. Go ahead, Brian. go ahead. It's okay. You can go. Oh, I was just going to say, it is funny how, um, cause I've noticed in, in coaching sessions with clients that they'll say something like, I love to learn. And then they'll describe a moment of discomfort. And it's the learning. <laughs> it's learning in a new space, right? But they love to learn. And sometimes their notion of learning is like, I know I'm learning. I've named it as learning. I'm doing this. And then like when they're in a moment of learning, there's a lot of dissonance. So just naming that like, oh, remember you said you love this learning mindset. That's part and parcel, right? Of, of being a learner is you're going to experience transitions and sometimes maybe longer because you're going to spend way more time, quality time, you're going to spend way more quality time, you know, digging into that, that transition for sure. So. Yeah. I was just going to share an example that came up the other day. I love how this book applies to literally all of the days. Um, but I had, <laughs> it was a class of seniors in college and, um, we were fortunate enough to have a neurologist come and share her experience with us. And it was just a round table discussion about her professional journey. And so we started the conversation like Brene Brown does with tell us your story. And that was kind of the vibe. It was very informal. The students had generated some questions, but it was not um, a structured presentation. And at one point, one of the students said or asked, when did you feel really stable, like comfortable mm. in your work? And this is a neurologist. I think she probably has 20 or so years experience. And she's like, oh, never. I'm still not stable. <laughs> I mean, I'm competent, mm. but I learn every time I go to see a patient. And she said, I just feel like if you don't, if you feel like, oh, I'm the expert, I've seen all of this before, then you're not really doing the right job for your patients. And you really aren't being a learner. 
Mm. And you could see the students like, oh, shoot. <laughs> You know, <laughs> because they were really hoping it would be like, well, about three years out, then I made the turn and I'm, you know, my shoulders dropped and I felt more comfortable with things. Yeah. yeah. Um, and she said, you're just always transitioning and you're always learning. Yeah. And that's always a little bit uncomfortable. Yeah. And you kind of learn, I mean, not to beat the metaphor to death, but you kind of learn the dance steps. Yeah. Right. You it's the you, you get comfortable with discomfort. I mean, because I I mean, gosh, you guys have been talking about doctoral greed degrees. And I don't share this much, but like I can see in my own trajectory how I was chasing degrees. I mean, I wanted to get a PhD. That was a bucket list thing. But as I I remember thinking, you know, when I was struggling or worried or didn't feel like I was I was measuring up. Right. As Danielle, as you said, it was tracing degrees and thinking I'll finish one more degree. They'll accept me for who I am and I'll be there. And then you finish that ed D and you're still having the same questions or more questions than you had before. And it's, it's not about the degree. It's not about the accomplishment, right? It's about owning your space. And, and Brian, I love that the neurologist was honest enough because I'm, you know, I don't think people are always honest about that, but I can definitely say um, when, when my, my shoulders started to drop and relax, when I finally was just like, I know what my core values are. That's authenticity, curiosity, inclusion, and connection. And as long as I'm showing up with those being honored, that's, that's, that's good enough for me. That's how I, and it doesn't, I mean, look, it doesn't always work. I have my own issues, but like, that's, that's my measure now is like, am I lighting up my core values? It's not about the degree. It's not about knowing the answer to some question that somebody asks me or getting something right during a, a sync session with my doc students. It's, am I honoring my core values? And if I'm not, then I need to be noticing that and, and, and talking about that, but it it's, yeah, it's still, you're still uncomfortable all the time. I mean, it's just part of life. So I'm glad, I'm so glad the neurologist did that. Um, cause I, especially in, I would, I don't know many in that field, but I would imagine in that field, it would be harder even to admit that discomfort when you're talking about sort of the medical side of things. Right. But- yeah. She was lovely. She was very candid about um, you know, the skills that it takes to be successful in her profession. Mm-hmm. And one of those is humanness. I mean, that's probably the one that she talked about the most. Yeah. So she was really, really incredible. I feel like she would really enjoy your book. I should get it for her. Yeah. That's um, very cool. Yeah. But Carrie, I just wanted to say that I think the moments of greatness that you discuss in your book and that we've all experienced come from the times when we are living those values. Mm-hmm. It's not the time that you walk across the stage, but it's the time when you hone those values and something positive happens, whether it's an interaction with one person or a class, or you finish your dissertation because your values probably led you to the, to that success in some way. Right. I just find that that's helped me a lot um, Mm -hmm. to sort of recognize and and notice and name those moments as they align with values. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it comes down to what's important to you, right? What is really important? Yes, the degree is important, but what is it about the degree and that journey, right? Like I'm sure there's a curiosity piece there. There's an exploration, a journeying, right? So like really, again, noticing and naming the thing that really lights you up. Um, And, you know, for, for our audience who hasn't done the core values work, mining for your core values 
however you do it, there's lots of activities you can find on the, the web. You can reach out to me and we can do a short coaching session. I kid you not. And I would love for, for you ladies to weigh in here to me, that was one of the most powerful activities I've ever done. And it's for me, that journey started when I read dare to lead. If you remember, uh, Brene Brown had that list in, in the book, um, just knowing where you are and what's important to you that can just help you in so many ways. That's your should, right? If you're going to have any should or any comparison, that should be your compass. It should be your core values, not something external, but something that's important to you. Um, so I don't know what, what do you got? What do you ladies think about that? I am a biggest fan of finding, of identifying core values too. Mm-hmm. I think I'm a constant student of talk about learner's mindset, a constant student of my values. And in fact, I completed a values inventory a few months ago and I was so certain. So when I started doing the core values work, um, community and learning were the two that always continued to show Mm -hmm. up. And as I've navigated, you know, um, these significant events in my life, I certainly those two showed, showed up, but they sort of started to be to fall under different core values. And so mm. when I completed another inventory five years later, um, a few months ago, faith and curiosity were the ones that emerged much stronger and not to say that connection and learning weren't there. I mean, I would consider connection and community under faith and learning, of course, under curiosity. Um, but when I had done it, I was so steadfast and calling courage, my core value, as opposed to curiosity. And when I started to think about how I operationalize the values every day, I realized that curiosity was a much stronger, um, Mm. value. And I think it was just something that I had aspired courage to be a value. And certainly it is, but it wasn't something that was my compass. And I think Carrie, when you talk about having that as your compass, that was the thing that was like, okay, yes, courage is something that's so important to me. And it's not necessarily the thing that's going to continue to push me through. And I think curiosity came much stronger. So I love that as a takeaway for everyone to do and to revisit and to think about how you're using that to show up because that's something that I journal on every day is how am I living out these values? What are the activities that are doing it? And then what are those activities that are inhibiting me from truly living values? Absolutely. Carrie Miller, how does that do you, I'm sure that shows up in the work you do. It has to. Yeah, it, I was thinking about uh, that 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 harmony when you when your personal values align with organizational mm-hmm. values have also been articulated. So mm-hmm. the, the the team that I'm on, we uh, we were we started, gosh, we were a team of like eight for a while. Then we were a team of five, and now we are a team of over forty. Mm-hmm. And um, and so last summer came together and did a values exercise. We have 10 values, which feels like, like a lot, lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but, but we just uh, revisited them and we flagged three. And so they are relationships, systems, and transparency. Mm-hmm. And uh, for me, those aren't my, those aren't my flagged core values. I am a curiosity kind of gal. Um, and, and also um, uh, like tenacity is, is one mm-hmm. that I recommend with a lot and we we call it scrappiness actually and yeah. so I, I relate to that a lot and actually right now personally I'm like can I 
can I reevaluate what I'm doing and how and when? And may, maybe I don't need to be as scrappy, as <laughs> you know, working and with school and with yeah. two very boisterous boys. Like maybe I can make it a little bit more. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, um, but 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 it's 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 so um, it's gratifying, especially when you do these experiences of of transition and discomfort when you can find that alignment with your core Absolutely. value and then the core values with the people and the organization that you're investing a lot of your time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think what I want our audience to pull away or what I would like to see them pull away, you should pull away with what you're, what you're getting out of this. But what I would want to want to point out for our audience is in these examples, we're not talking about accomplishments. And I want to pause for a second. We are not talking about accomplishments, right? We are naming things like courage, curiosity, scrappiness, relationships, connection. It's not accomplishments, right? And I just think if we, even just the mere act of paying attention to how you feel in that moment, Carrie, right? When that, when you feel lit up by your values aligning with your professional values. I mean, it's funny because what, what I was seeing, what came up for me, Carrie, as I was listening to you was, um, in-person residency. Um, and from folks who haven't listened to the podcast, the program to which we've all been affiliated and I continue to be affiliated is the summer residency. We'd all come together in Baltimore for like two and a half to three days, lots of learning and lots of connection. And I love that. I love it. I can't even tell you much. I love it. If if it's clear now. And the feeling that I would describe was like exuberantly exhausted. Right. And I, what I realize now is that exuberance and that exhaustion is because I, that those spaces, and I'm being dead serious, my core values were lit up so brightly that I could just keep going and be so excited and be tired and excited. And then another student would come up and have a question and be like, what do you need? What do you want to talk about? Because that like in that moment, it's like, it feels like my core values are just like on fire in that, in that moment, because it's curiosity, it's connection, it's authenticity, right? It's, it's all those things. And so I just, again, a second takeaway, like do the core values work? The second takeaway would be just pay attention to when you have that feeling and ask yourself what's going on right now that's giving me that feeling. I'll bet you it's not because you just accomplished something. I bet it's because you're in a space showing up in a certain way. It's not because you're checking in the box on something. Um, and I want to be sensitive to time because I know, Brianne, you teach at 10. We have other things we have to do. We could probably podcast for another hour, which would be often Awesome. But in the spirit of um, the podcasting, we did say we would maybe do a part two. Absolutely. I see some, I see some heads nodding. And what I'm thinking and what I'm thinking for part two, because I'm very curious to hear your reactions to the actual framework, because we haven't even touched on the framework, um, because that was, you know, lots of discomfort for me in lots of ways. And, you know, what landed on the paper, I still think is a work in progress. Um, and so I would just love to get into that maybe in the second episode, get your reactions, your thoughts. Does it make sense? What questions do you have? What didn't work? I mean, I want to hear like what's not resonating and let's make it better. 
Um, so does that sound, I see some heads nodding. Does that sound like a good idea? Yes, absolutely. Cool. Any final thoughts that someone wants to share before we sign off? I would just say gratitude. I mean, as you're speaking, I'm like, live your values and then accomplishments follow. I mean, that's what, that's what was coming to mind. Mm, So I really appreciate that. that. Yeah. I just appreciate that you, that you wrote this book and that you shared it with all of us. Mm, Thank you. Yeah. And, and, and that, that last thing that you just said, Carrie, um, the idea that, that your guess, if we were going to put money on it, <laughs> that the moments that, that, mm. you, that you're feeling your values, it, it's not necessarily linked to that moment that you've attained the thing. Yeah. Um, this, this, this reminder of, uh, for those that you coach and they're saying, well, now I need to do the professional development. Now I need to look for the next thing. No, you just need to look, look within and, and think about how that then informs this new reality that you've cultivated because of the, of what you've achieved. Mm, that's right. What's that new reality? Mm, I love that. Love, love, love. Danielle, any final words of wisdom? I have two. Okay. And echoing off Brianne and Carrie. And I mean, I love um, Brianne when you talked about, you know, live your values and then accomplishments come after you know, in thinking about transitions, life is just lived in the process. It's this continuous mm-hmm. process. And we always, I, we've talked a lot about grounding ourselves in mastery. And that's why I'm so excited for episode two, because Carrie B, you said, this is your framework is a work in progress. It's a pursuit of mastery. And secondly, I am so energized and so grateful <laughs> for you, Carrie B and for Carrie M and Brianne. I mean, I don't know. I just, I think I need to now exercise or (laughs) I don't know what I need to do now, but thank you all for this engaging conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. In a, on a podcast where audio is King, I have no words, (laughs) 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 which isn't a good space, but I am also uh, equally grateful. Danielle, you express it so nicely. And I also will be having an awesome day. Um, thanks to the three ladies that are on this podcast. And I'm staring at my Peloton bike thinking I may just jump on for a session with uh, Christine Dercole because she always has some great words of wisdom. And I will anxiously look forward to our second uh, episode with this because I, I just, as I said, I'm really curious to hear about your reactions to the framework to do, to practice this work that we've been describing. So um, thanks to all three of you, Carrie, Danielle, and Brian. It is always a pleasure. And thanks to everybody who's listening. Keep on listening and stay tuned for part two, Dancing with Discomfort with these brilliant women that we're looking at. So um, thanks everyone and have a great day. Your last to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, and improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com forward slash BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all of these goals.
That's IXL.com forward slash B-E.